This is the place to play with the most powerful principles of manifestation in the quantum field on a daily basis. This is Sanctuary of She, Soul, Human, Energy, and I'm your host, Katie Blair. We're a podcast, an app, and a community where women meet the version of themselves they came here to be and build the lives they came here to live. Welcome to this moment. Welcome to your sanctuary. Hi there. Welcome back to the podcast. Uh, Today's episode is going to be a bit different than normal. Um... In today's episode, I want to share my version of the story of what has happened on Maui with the fires. It has been an extremely intense time. I have not had the words nor the ability to sit down and be with it until this moment right now until today we are now several days in and I don't even know I don't need I can't keep track I don't even know how many days it's been um and I let myself take some time for me today for the first time um we had our sanctuary of she ceremony which was unbelievably incredible went to church for the first time in years walked my dog, had brunch, a little homemade breakfast with my landlord to just be together. Um, I'm wearing a dress, which even some lipstick, which feels so strange, but just normalcy, some sense of normalcy today. And I'm sitting here with a cup of coffee currently looking out over the beautiful island of Maui and I just feel called to share the story um I don't know there was there was a part of me the first few days of just like I'll never be able to talk about this I'll never like why why share my version of the story in the midst of everything that's going on but that's exactly what's needed you know it's the stories coming out that are really generating the awareness of what has just happened and it is through that that we ensure not only safety of the people still standing and the donations that continue to come in and the donations coming in through direct people to get directly to those in need but also of the land and just having eyes on what happens next being that that part of the island is one of the most sought after pieces of land in the world and it belongs to generations of native Hawaiians and just doing everything in our power to make sure it stays that way. Um, But I'm sitting here looking out over Maui. I'm looking out over the North Shore Ocean. And to my slight left is the West Maui Mountains. If you've ever flown into Maui, it is the gorgeous green mountains that you see as you fly in. 
And just on the other side of that is where so much of this took place. There's also a large part of it that took place up near where I live in a place called Kula and around the mountain in a place called Kihei. But luckily, as much as was lost in those places, it was a lot of farmland, still um, over 500 homes, but no casualties. It's a more classic story of a devastating fire. Whereas on the other side of those mountains over there are the bodies of hundreds of people from a town that is the most populated area on the island that was not evacuated. So it's been a lot. It's been... It's been too big to feel yet. It's really wild feeling into the layers of something like this. I've been fortunate enough to never have to live through a state of crisis or devastation uh, or disaster. I've never been in close proximity to it or been affected by it before. And I'm grateful for that. I was part of the Northern California 2017 wildfires. I did evacuate my home then. I was in an area with people who had lost their homes. Um, But this is... This is... um, This... it, it, It feels like a movie scene. I think being on an island adds such an extra level because we have nowhere to go. We have nowhere to put people. And there's limited resources. And we're in the middle of the ocean, very far from anything. And we have so many casualties. And we have thousands hurt, wounded externally and internally displaced currently so it's been wild being a few days out and actually like your your thinking mind your normal mind starts to come back into your body it's almost like you're taken out of your body and you're floating around in a sea of nothingness and horror and you don't know up from down you don't know what's going on and every moment is bringing something new like everything comfortable and predictable is stripped completely and there's no time to think there's only time to do there's no plan for something like this there's no plan it's happening in real time And because we're so far from anything, it is the community here, the citizens here, who came together and figured it out. We, as a community, figured it out in real time. That is one of the most beautiful things I've ever seen. But the first few days, it was just pure crisis. 
and now the mind is catching up to the body and the processing begins and the healing begins and the the sitting with what has just gone down is only now days later truly becoming a real thing so i want to share my side of the story from what happened and my hopes in sharing this story with you is that you will share the donation link inside of the link in my bio so many of you have donated so many of you have shared through my story on instagram and i'm so grateful to you we've raised i think over seven thousand dollars at this point um which is just like beyond my i can't i can't believe it um and please continue we know everyone i know is safe but i know so many people who've lost everything and we have thousands who need so much to get through the next few months so please donate even five dollars helps five dollars buys two cans of soup that's two meals going out five dollars buys a small pack of tampons five dollars buys socks a couple pairs of underwear anything helps um so please donate and please share that link or any others that you have come across that go directly to families in need or that go to bigger organizations the only problem with the bigger organizations is that we just don't know how or when things like that get allocated so the link that i have in the show notes of this episode is a link that tom my partner created and it's money going straight to us straight to us who have direct access to know what's needed and where where we can do our part alongside everyone else here doing their part okay so the story begins when does the story begin the story begins what day is it it's i think the story begins monday night august 7th yeah monday night august 7th um Monday night, August 7th, a fire breaks out in upcountry above my house. We, I think it starts around 10 p.m. We don't know of this yet. We haven't seen this. We haven't, we don't know what's going on, okay? Tom and I's first alert to the beginning of what became everything was a few hours later it's 4 35 a.m on august 8th 2023 and tom and i wake up from sirens coming out of our phones so loud that it was our whole street we could hear the people who live below us next to us like i've never i've gotten emergency alerts on my phone before but i've never had a sound come with it like a siren as loud as the volume goes on your phone at 4 35 in the morning from every phone in your vicinity we jolt out of bed scared as shit 
look at the phone and it says evacu- mandatory evacuations right now on, I think it was Ali'i Drive. Ali'i Drive is not our street, nor is any of the ones next to us. So in a delirious haze, we wake up and there's part of our mind that's thinking, okay, Ali'i Drive, I don't even know what that is. That's not our road. Like maybe this is a mistake. I don't know why we're getting this. It's probably just some weird little thing happening. And so we turn it off (laughs) and we fall back asleep. I wake up a few hours later and I walk into our kitchen and I look up and we live on the Haleakala volcano. If you've ever been to Maui, it's a big volcano. It's also in many areas around the world considered the heart chakra of the planet. The top of this volcano has the same frequency as a beating human heart. And it is a world-renowned place, very, very sacred, sacred place. So we live about a third of the way up Haleakala, um, maybe a fourth. But we're on this volcano, so I can see it from my kitchen, from my living room, from my deck, from everywhere. Walk into the kitchen, I look up, and this place called Olinda Forest, which sits above us, further up the volcano, is on fire and smoking. So I'm like, what, what is going on? Open up my phone. I'm in a big group text with all my girlfriends here and everyone's hearing all these things. Huge fire happening in up country. There's a fire in Kihei. Olinda forest is on fire. What's going on? The wind is crazy. The wind is crazy. And what's also true is that brush fires on Maui in the summer is not out of the ordinary. It's not, it's not out of the ordinary. Like literally last year at this time, I was down in town by the ocean. Huge fire breaks out, huge black smoke cloud above this little town Paia down the road from us that we used to live in. And I'm like rushing to get home. I'm on the phone with Tom, freaking out. I'm driving past this field with flames running towards the street. On the phone with the fire department. Like, this is not unnormal, okay? I get home and I'm freaking out. Like, heart racing. I'm like, oh my god, we're on fire. And my landlord's like, breathe. It's okay. This is normal. This is normal. And usually, we have proper systems to evacuate areas needed. So... This fire breaks out, and I start getting a little worked up, but Tom goes immediately to, this is not a normal breathe. Everything's okay. Clearly, the people who needed to evacuate a couple hours ago got out, and everything's going to be okay. So, I'm like, okay, breathe. Um, Alright, so I get myself together. The wind is in our favor. It's pushing the fire in the other direction. And I go do my thing. I'm working. It's very, very, very smoky outside everywhere. Not around our house specifically because the wind is pushing it. But I can see smoke like all around. Down to the ocean, over Kahului, our main town. And up over by Kihei, up country. And... um, So I don't go outside and I'm just like, okay, I'm just going to stay inside and I'm going to work. And so I have a normal, pretty normal day. 
Tom that evening has a photo shoot over in Wailea, which is past Kihei on the other side of the island. So he goes to his photo shoot and he's about a, a couple hours into his photo shoot. And the wedding that they're photographing has a perfect view of Lahaina in the background. Lahaina is the main city that is gone. Perfect from where you are on that side of the island, it's very far away, but it it the land cuts out just enough to where you can see Lahaina. And they're seeing huge clouds of black smoke that I've now seen in the photographs of these people's wedding ceremony, the town blowing up behind them. So some of the people he's working with at this wedding live in Lahaina and their girlfriend is in Lahaina. Their boyfriend is in Lahaina. So naturally, everyone starts panicking. What is going on there? But as we now know over there, there was no power. Everything was down. So they can't get access to their loved ones currently in Lahaina. And they don't know what's going on. Some of the first immediate people to make it out of Lahaina either make it out by evacuating up from the town or out from the town towards Nepali, the other end away from us. And there's one cell tower there that they were able to get access to to alert some people over here. Nobody knew how bad this was yet. But people knew Lahaina was gone. So Tom sends me a text when he's at this wedding. And he says, Lahaina is gone. I'm with so-and-so. They can't get through to their partner's can they stay at our house tonight to make sure that they're safe? And I'm like, of course, of course, of course. But what do you mean Lahaina is gone? Like, I'm thinking, okay, are we exaggerating? Like, Lahaina is a pretty big, if you've seen it, like Front Street, like granted, nothing is big here on Maui. But Front Street is a very long street. It's the most famous place in the Hawaiian Islands. It's filled with people, tourists. It's like where everyone goes. Shops, restaurants, bars, everything. It is the spot on the island. So I'm like, what do you mean Lahaina's gone? Like, okay, maybe a couple of the shops caught fire. And I was like, call me when you can. So he gives me a call and he's like, Katie, I'm pretty sure that every single thing is gone. I'm pretty sure it exploded. I'm pretty sure that there is not one thing left standing in Lahaina right now. And no one can get through to anyone over there. So I'm like, oh my God, okay. Um, I'm texting, I'm relaying this information to this group text that I'm in with my friends. I'm like, you guys, I think Lahaina's gone. Okay, but still at this point, everyone's belief is, holy shit, we're so sad for the land. Doesn't even cross anyone's mind that the people didn't make it out. Doesn't cross our mind at all. It's just like our instant, without confirmation, because this is the other thing about living through a situation like this, is that there's no news happening in real time. And when you can't access half the island with your phones, 
you have no idea what's going on. You have no idea what's going on. So we're like, okay, we're not going to freak out. Nothing's confirmed. There's a potential that some of Lahaina is gone. And these fires are, they're just not stopping. So we're like, okay, everyone, just please be safe. Um, We don't know what's going on. Everyone was being like, anyone who wants to come sleep here, come sleep here, whatever. So these people that Tom are with decide they don't want to come back over to this side of the island to stay at our house. They just want to stay at a hotel where they're currently at so that they can get into Lahaina as soon as they can to get to their people. Nobody understands what's just happened. So Tom's there. He's trying to get help them get hotel rooms with his boss who gets, you know, their photographers and videographers on this island so they get good vendor rates at the hotel. So they're trying to hook up these people to get hotel rooms for them so that they can stay there and be safe. Meanwhile, I'm at home and the fire up on the volcano is still going, but I am pacing the house because now I'm hearing that there's a fire headed, like a huge, like four mile long fire headed directly towards Kihei town, which Tom has to pass through to get back home to me. And on top of that, I walk out into my office and onto my little meditation deck and I see glowing orange like I've learned this now at night fire is very deceiving the glowing orange makes it appear so much closer than it is not all the time but I go out and there's like this these we have these pineapple fields behind our house and right behind that little hill it's just glowing orange and I think there's a fire right there coming towards our house so I'm texting Tom and he's like, I've got to help these people get a hotel room. And I'm like, I love you. I'm so proud of you. And you need to get home right now. Like there, I see, I see glowing orange fire from one side of our house. There's another fire on the other side of our house. There's a fire running towards the town that you're in. Get in the car and come home right now. So finally, him and his boss get back in the car and they're driving home he's sending me videos this huge fire just approaching the road that they're driving on so they're like speeding going going past it like holy shit what is happening and like like you don't have time to process all the pieces it's just like okay do we have to evacuate oh my god there's a fire coming towards tom's car right now okay lahaina might be gone okay who needs a place to stay okay is everyone okay like i i it's just like there's no it's like everything's happening at once so Tom gets home and I'm like I do not feel safe we need to pack up our valuables just in case I see the flames they're getting outside our window they're getting brighter and brighter and brighter I go run down I wake up my landlord who I'm very very close with Susie and I am like, Susie, you need to come look at this. I don't know what to do. Susie can't drive in the dark. So I was like, you have to, like, if we go anywhere, you're coming with us and we're getting the dogs. So like, I need you up right now. I need you to see this. So she comes up, she's looking out and she's like, okay, I know it's really bright, but I, I, I really believe it's still on the other side of the highway. And in her experience with wildfires, they don't jump highways easily. Okay, we got lucky. This one didn't jump highways. Meanwhile, in Lahaina, it jumped 
not just highways, but like water sources, like it, it, it jumped everything, okay? But over here, she's like, it's very uncommon for fires to jump highways, even though we're experiencing crazy winds. So she's like, have your stuff packed just in case, but I think you're going to be fine to sleep here. So I'm texting my friends. I'm a little bit on edge. I'm freaking out. I'm like, you guys, how am I supposed to go to bed seeing like orange glowing out the side of one side of my house, smoke out the side of the other side of my house? Like, what the heck is going on? So everyone's like, come here, come sleep here. But we, you know, it's just just like, we don't want to leave this. We don't want to leave Susie. So we're like, okay, we're going to sleep here. Clearly our phones know how to go off if our phones know how to go off if something happens, right? They went off this morning and it wasn't even our street. So we're going to trust in the alarms of our phones. So we go to sleep that night and we wake up the next morning We wake up the next morning um, to immediately, well, actually, here's how that morning started. I wake up the next morning to like 35 text messages from friends, from family. Are you okay? What's going on? And I'm like, what? First of all, what has happened? Second of all, How does everyone know about this? I don't even know what's going on yet, right? Because there was no news the night before. There was no, like, we didn't even know what was going on. So one of my friends who's supposed to be coming out here to, to, to stay at my house in a couple days, I call her and I'm like, hey, I don't even know what's going on. And she's like, Katie, we're not coming anymore. Like, have you seen the footage? And I'm like, no, what, what are you talking about? And she's like, Lahaina. And I'm like, hey, I heard something last night, but like, what are you talking about? And she's like, okay, just take some deep breaths. And when you're ready, open up social media. And I was like, okay. So I did exactly that. And the first, the first thing that I see is the air airplane footage of the airplane that flew over Lahaina that morning to capture the damage and I just see what you guys saw probably they weren't kidding when they said Lahaina's gone so again still not even registering that there's a potential that the people didn't evacuate. And instead, what I'm seeing is our beloved town, this place we go all the time. You guys, Tom works over there multiple nights a week. We go over there multiple times a month. My friend Olivia and I had had a whole West Side day like three days before this happened, our favorite snorkel and dive spot, our favorite restaurants, our favorite shops, our favorite everything, it's all right there. And I'm watching this in utter disbelief. It's like, no, this can't, this is like made up footage. There's no way. And then my mind starts going into all the little individual spots all the little individual restaurants, all the little individual shops, all the little individual landmarks 
the banyan tree. If you've ever been here, the banyan tree. It has 47 trunks. It's the center of Lahaina, and it is the most miraculous, magnificent thing on earth. Luckily, I think that the banyan tree is going to survive. It's burned, but I think she's going to make it. But if it, like, the the harbor, the, the, the streets, the walkways, the memories of every tiny little corner, and not just some of it, but all of it, and not just all of it, but the surrounding neighborhoods, it's just gone. So we're watching all this news, all this footage starting to come out of the land. And trying to digest just can't stop crying just every piece can't stop crying and there's this one video that comes across my feed that is a video that someone took a few months ago I think here on vacation out the side of their car of to just capture the glory that is Lahaina and it's just their phone out the window recording as they drive down front street and for some reason it was like seeing that made it real like seeing Lahaina, how I know Lahaina, knowing that it's not there anymore. Like it will only ever live through things like that is what really made it real. And then the devastation like really, really started setting in. And at this point it was for the land and the memories and the generations of Hawaiians and the generations of even non-Hawaiians just who have lived there. Like the community of Lahaina is so close-knit. The community of this island is so close-knit. So taking this in, being with it all, this day, the footage coming through, coming through, I can't even remember in all honesty for the life of me what this day held I think oh what did this day hold Tom and I went down oh yes okay sorry Tom and I went down Tom and I went down because the, the first thing, the first alert going out was like, fires are still going. Lahaina is the most devastated, but all fires are still going. Upcountry, Kihei, Lahaina, they're all still going. These poor firefighters need help. So Tom immediately sets up the GoFundMe with the initial goal of like $1,000 to be able to go get stuff for the firefighters and drop it off. Okay, so stores are opening up saying, drop it here. We'll get it to the firefighters. So Tom and I... Meanwhile, oh yes, it's all coming back. Meanwhile, sinking in all this footage, I look out the window after a couple hours of taking in this footage and just digesting it. Um, I look out the window and the Olinda fire above us has completely, not, not just like relit, but like grown like five times the amount in the span of like 30 minutes. And... The wind is changing direction where it looks like it's starting to come down the hill towards us. So Tom and I go into full, immediate, 
get everything out of the house. So all the little piles that we had packed up before, we just loaded up the cars. We loaded up my car, we loaded up him car, his car. We got Toonie in the car. It's all these things, right? Like we're filling up these canisters of water just in case. All of Toonie's food, all of the electronics, you know, like just all the all the things. But it's actually interesting running around your house and granted, thank God, like doing that is one thing. Doing that when flames are actually in front of your house is a completely different situation, right? So we're not like, it's still far. It could travel fast. So we're hurrying, but it's not like at our doorstep. So walking around the house, literally packing up the house, what are my valuables? It was so interesting to witness. Can you imagine yourself doing that? Can you imagine that? I grabbed my computer. (laughs) I grabbed my podcast mic. I grabbed my crypto wallet. I grabbed my passport and all of my, everything in my purse. I grabbed a toothbrush. I grabbed a couple clothes. I grabbed my journal. I grabbed my headphones. Um, I grabbed like my top two most um, sentimental crystals. And like that was it. Like it's amazing how looking back, it's amazing how much I didn't grab. Because I've always thought about that in the past, you know. It's like, God, if a fire ever came, what would I, what would I take? like oh gosh I would just need to take everything and in that moment it was like I took like five percent of my belongings so we got everything in the car and we were like I'm I'm just alerting my friends who live near me I'm like from our vantage point this Alinda fire has just grown so much wind might be changing direction I don't want to alarm you but I recommend getting a bag together if you haven't yet just in case so we're back in panic mode kind of just like on alert right still not understanding anything and Tom and I go down into town there's smoke everywhere to get a bunch of supplies for the firefighters so we go and we do a huge shop run just for firefighters so um five hour energies protein protein bars liquid ivs um gatorades bottled waters like everything we can think of that they might want and so then we go drop it off to them and then one of my friends is like why doesn't everyone just come over here tonight um I think we just need to be together and just like breathe into all of this. So we go over there and we're we're trying to feel a sense of normalcy, even though we're like, what the fuck just happened? Like these fires are here, they're still going. They live out in Haiku, which is a very rainy part of the island. So it's they're not at risk for fire. So we just all kind of take a deep breath and we're like, oh my god, like what what is going on? And we just breathe, okay? That night, we come home and we go to bed. The next morning, we wake up to some of this footage of people who were there on foot. And one of my friends texts the group and she goes, Um, you guys, 
I have a friend who is out in Lahaina still, and he's walking the streets right now, and he's saying that there are bodies everywhere. And we're like, what? And she's like, apparently, all these photos of cars that we're seeing in these photos surfacing online, there's bodies inside of them. There's bodies lining the streets, and there's bodies floating in the water. At this point, I think the news still was saying that it was like 30 deaths or something. And we were like, what the fuck? What? How? What? What are you talking about? And so all the all the word starts going around that tons of people are getting out of Lahaina. Not only, okay, so word's getting out. This is not yet news, right? This is just on foot people here reporting that there's apparently hundreds dead in Lahaina right now. And meanwhile, hundreds They're getting buses and buses and buses. Hundreds of people are making it, and like hitchhiking, getting in cars, making it out of Lahaina that are covered in burns, that are completely traumatized, and all these shelters are starting to open. They're turning our gyms and some of our churches and all these places into shelters for people to go to find refuge. And so the first thing that's going through everyone's mind is, what do they need? So that's when everyone starts going out to go get supplies to bring to these shelters. So Tom and I go, we go to one of the new shelters that have just opened and we're like, what do you guys need? And they're like, we need baby diapers, baby formula, we need underwear, um, we need adult diapers. And we're like, all right, on it, go. So we run, do we do a huge target haul, we get feminine products, we get baby food, we get all this stuff, fill up two huge carts, and we bring it and we drop it off there. And, um, Tom goes, at this point, Tom's been contacted by the Washington Post to get interviews and photos and an article for them. So he goes off, he's doing all of his things with that, and I'm trying to go, um, find my friends who are at a, at a shelter helping out, and instead, somehow, I end up in the complete wrong town that they're in. And as I'm there, the town that I'm in, there's a shelter there that's just posted on social media, we need volunteers right now. So I was like, all right, meant to be, I'm going there. So I show up to this place and this is when it got real, okay? So we've now spent the last two days in panic and shock and just complete emotional overwhelm but it got real when I arrived to this shelter it was called it's called war memorial I walk up and there's 
I can already tell there's a lot of people here. There's tents set up. There's a nurse's tent. There's a doctor's tent. There's a volunteer's tent. There's a Red Cross tent. There's um, just like people who have tried with all these people who are arriving, getting off these buses, covered in wounds, covered in terror, covered in shock. Um, People have basically just been like, okay, move, go. We need mattresses. We need blankets. We need towels. We need clothes. We need everything. So they're just like, it's like literally there's hardly any organization to anything, but somehow it's all happening. So I walk up to the volunteer tent and I, it's, it's this woman that I know working there and we give each other a hug and she's like, she's like, honestly, just go walk around and jump in somewhere. And so I walk over to the clothing department and I'm sitting there and I'm like, hey, can I help you guys? And they're like, yeah, just start sorting. And all these people donating, because the people who are here, right, that's what we have to donate is things from our own homes. So all the people here are donating clothes and home things and just all this, all this immediate stuff. And then the donations are starting to come in from around the world through us that's allowing us to go buy out these grocery stores and um, Target and Costco and everything needed from there that is needed like on its own, right? And so these these shelters just start getting influxes of things coming in that need to be sorted so that we can get organized. So I jump in with the clothing department, just bags and bags and bags of clothes. So we're separating women's clothes from men's clothes to cakey clothes to like everything and sizing them and just it, like you get done with one and then there's 10 more bags so we're just like going as 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 much as we can meanwhile I'm starting to like look up and look around and it's just utter chaos utter confusion like mayhem like literally out of a movie scene I don't know if you guys have ever seen that movie about the it's the real story of the family who survived the tsunami in thailand i think in like 2000 um i'm forgetting what the name of the movie is right now it's so freaking good it happened on christmas day that year and it's the story of this family who survives but they go to a shelter because they get separated and they go to the shelter in the movie and that's exactly what it felt like and so i'm just sitting there and i'm kind of just starting to like take this all in like the 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 level of the devastation past the panic and the information that I had been given up to that point, finally just something, I still don't even know, but I'm like, this is bad. I don't know what's just happened. This is bad. And so I'm folding clothes and one by one, people are walking up and you know, they, they don't have a lot to say. They're just walking up and they're kind of like, hi, can you give me something? And I'm like, yeah, what do you need? And we're like helping people find things. And it's kind of just like clicking in on me of like, like I'm pretty sure these people have, they don't, like everything they've lost, like everything. And this one woman walks up to me. And she's barefoot and she's wearing a t-shirt and jean shorts and she's covered in little cuts and dirt and she walks up to me and 
she goes, hi, can you help me find something to wear? And I was like, yeah, of course, come in here, take a look, here's our piles. And she goes, no, actually, I don't think I can pick something out right now. Can you pick for me? And I look at her hands and she's shaking. Her hands are shaking. And I'm like, oh God, I see her bare feet. I see the dirt. And I just look at her and she looks at me. And I think for the first time, the words came out of her mouth. She said, I think my roommates are dead. And I just looked at her. And she just starts crumbling. And she's like, she's like, it happened so fast. I didn't even have time to tell them. I was just in my room. I didn't even know it was happening. And she's like, I looked outside and I saw the flames. I didn't even have time to go into their rooms to get them. I just ran out the front door and I saw the house blow up behind me. She's like, I just started running. And she hitchhiked in four different cars to make it out. She's like, I, I just got here and I don't have shoes. I don't have anything. So I got up and I held her. <laughs> I got up and I held her. And the reality started to set in. <sighs> she saw a familiar face and she went off. And I sat there and my head was spinning so bad. I didn't... It was like I was watching from above. Like I wasn't even in my body. And I was like... I need, I need to walk. I need to walk right now. And so I got up and I walked closer to the shelter. And there's tons of people on mattresses outside with dogs and kids. And, you know, I, I had a sense that there was a lot of people there. But I turn the corner and I go inside into this gym. And there are hundreds. Hundreds. It's mattress to mattress, a huge gym filled with people. And there's burns, like people's legs who are completely burned, arms, eyes. There's doctors running around, bandaging, cleaning, like mayhem, chaos. And these people have just gotten there. Like they don't even know, nobody, nobody has time to think about what's just happened. It's just like, okay, who's here? Who needs what? What's going on? And I'm walking through it and I come up to this big bulletin board and there's all these sticky notes on it. And it's sticky notes of people looking for people. And I start reading them and it's like, Sally, this is mom and dad. Where are you? Please call us. There's another one that's like, like, um, 
like, Nick, where are you? This is your wife. Um, please call me. Like, just all these people. That have not only lost everything, but they've clearly just, they've not only lost everything, nobody knows what's happened. They cannot find so many people. They don't know if their loved ones are safe. And on top of that, it's becoming very clear that this town was not evacuated. And some of the stories start coming out and every single story, the only way people knew was because they happened to look out the window. One of our friends looked out his window as he was walking by it and saw flames. He grabbed both of his kids in both arms and ran out the front door and that's how they survived. People who had to jump into the ocean that was also on fire because they couldn't see the smoke. It was an inferno. They had to be in the water floating for eight hours with hypothermia until the Coast Guard could come get them. People who, Lahaina has one road, you guys. There's a bypass too, but there's like one road. So anyone who tried to get in their cars to leave couldn't. It was gridlocked. Hundreds dead in their cars. Hundreds dead running on foot. Hundreds dead floating in the water of the ocean that was on fire. And hundreds that survived. With everything being ripped out from underneath them and the most traumatic thing they've ever experienced now landing in their body. So after I was there for a while, just walking around, I was in such a daze that I was like, I, I just need, I, I have to leave for a moment. I went to Whole Foods to try to get something to eat to just like I you guys I didn't even I've never been that disoriented in my life to be honest with you I should not have been driving it felt like I was on drugs or something I came out of Whole Foods I couldn't find my car in the parking lot for 15 minutes I've never felt so silly I walked the lanes 10 times up and down I could not find my car I'm texting my group of friends and I'm like hey guys I could really use some support um where are you because I knew that they were together. And luckily, one of my friends who's not here on the island, but she's obviously in that group with us and she's just part of everything. She she got the text and she called me immediately and she's like, hey, are you okay? What's going on? And I'm like, I don't know where my car is. I don't know what's going on. I don't know what I've just seen. I don't know what's happening. She's like, okay, breathe, 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 breathe. I find my car, I get in my car and I finally let myself break. And I crumble and she's on the phone with me and she held the most beautiful space. My sweet friend Lauren. And so I'm breathing through it. I come home and 
I think what I felt at that point was like relief that I, it, it's like, you know, when so much has been happening and then you finally let yourself cry and then even though you're like immobile, just like laying there breathing, you're just like, okay, like you're just, you're just, you feel semi-okay for the first time. Um, so I'm just laying there. Tom calls me. He's gonna go volunteer for, it's like 10 p.m. I think. He's like, I'm gonna go volunteer for a couple hours somewhere. And I'm like, okay, I just need to go to bed because I am useless right now. And if I want to be able to do anything tomorrow, I need to just go to bed. So I go to bed. He goes out. He's driving hot meals around to the different shelters. The next morning, we wake up and, um, I meet up with some girlfriends to go to another huge run. The shelters need X, Y, and Z. This shelter needs that. That shelter needs this. So we go all around and we um, we um, we do a big load and we're gonna bring it to this place called Maalaya. As we're checking out at Target, everyone's alarms go off in the phone in the in the store saying the, the road to Ma'alaya is closed because there's been a fatal car accident. You guys, it just has been non-fucking-stop. So we're like, okay, we can't do that. So what do we do? So I'm like, let's go back to War Memorial. There's a lot of help needed there. So we all go over to War Memorial. We're walking around. By this point, luckily, so many people have shown up to start volunteering at all the places that they're actually starting to turn volunteers away. They're like, we're good for now. You can sign up for shifts. So we just take a couple laps. We, um, we, uh, some of my friends sat and prayed and chatted with some of the survivors and just like were there for hugs and um, we do that. And then we come home and I go over to Susie's house, my landlord, and I'm sitting with her and we're just taking this all in. And then, uh, all the, all the group chats, cause by this time the whole island is in these, like all these massive group chats together, all the group chats start going off that a new fire has broken out and cut on a poly, which is past Lahaina and people are being evacuated from there. So of course the nervous is like, Everyone goes into pure panic again. 20 minutes later, another fire starts in the town next to us. Haiku, people are being evacuated. 20 minutes later, another fire starts. The Olinda is back on fire. Huge fire right below from the bird sanctuary. People are leaving their homes. We're like, what the actual fuck is going on? One by one, all those fires get contained and put out. We're like, seriously, fuck this shit. <laughs> what the fuck is happening? Um, so all fires are out for the most part that we know of. Too tired to stand. Like, been operating on adrenaline for multiple days now. Too tired to even stand. So we go to bed. Yesterday morning, wake up, Tom goes immediately to get on a a government-approved bus to go over to Lahaina to do some volunteer work and get some interviews for his article. So he's gone. So 
I go down to the road to Ma'alaya is now open. So I go down there with a couple of my friends and we start volunteering and sorting donations and stuff. And this is where everything opened up. We are... And when I was there yesterday, it was like the first time I really called my mom to talk to her about it too. And it's like, as I'm explaining it to her, I'm just like, it's just like kind of all landing for the first time. It's so amazing how these things work in the body and in the brain, just the layers that they set in and land in the immediate things needed versus the long-term things needed. And it just, just like the everything, um, you know, like this island is like shut. It's been shut down. It's straight out of a movie. You know, it's shut down. We've turned warehouses and and abandoned buildings and malls and sort into into refuge places, into shelters, into stockpiles for donations coming in, into like everything. <laughs> Everyone's running around like crazy people. All the stores are empty. The stores are empty. Like. <sighs> haven't even turned on the news, don't even know what's going on on the news. And just like all these personal stories of people coming out, the knowledge that they, the knowledge, like the depth of the devastation landing coming through. So we get there yesterday, we're like sorting through the donations and they're sending, this is like a hub where that these people have created, this organization has created to get truckloads full to get people off to Lahaina, right? So my focus up to this point has been like the people in the shelters over here. And then it starts opening up to me how many people are still trapped on the west side. 30,000 people over there without power, without water, without food, without Wi-Fi, without like any way to contact anyone. There's like refugee places um, that have formed. People are living in abandoned homes. Like there are thousands of people out there that it's like there's one road to get to them. And they don't have anything. And so the whole island is using our resources that we're getting in from all of you guys sharing these donation links because nothing has come in from the government yet to go get supplies to, to not only take care of the people at the shelters here, but the realization of the thousands of people who are over there with nothing. So truckload after truckload after truckload is going out, just zooming down, like hauling water, propane, tents, tarps, um, food, like, uh, like tampons, baby formula, like everything, everything. And at around, so we're, 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 you know, sorting donations, getting it organized so that the truckloads can get out nice and efficient. And then everything, like the light cracked through at around like 3 p.m. They called everyone together to the center to have a little meeting and they told us that officially everyone over there has everything they need for the time being. Like it's at the point where they're now turning away supplies because they can't take anymore. And it's just like this, this, this crack in the sky opens up and everyone like, <sighs> and the shelters have got so much stuff the people over there now still have so much stuff and even though it's less than desirable living conditions and we don't know where they're gonna go and we don't know what's coming for right now for the first time the island has shifted 
out of crisis into strategy. Now, it's about getting water and the necessary things up to the people in Kula who haven't even been thought about, who've also lost, so many of them have lost their homes. They also have no water up there. So people starting to divert the trucks to go up there to get them. Um, and they are basically like, okay, now energy shifts these people have enough now, they're going to need more tomorrow. They're going to need more the day after that. They're going to need more the day after that. So now we've got to back, back order and organize everything that we have and everything that's coming in because now what we're starting to do is we're starting to set up storage for the next few months. We are going to be bringing things to these people for the foreseeable future. So let's get organized and make this into a whole hub of supplies for them. So we start getting organized and we start doing that and this and everything. But it's like now finally we can breathe. Someone turns on music. They turn on a Rising Appalachia song. I don't even remember which one it was. The music comes on and it hits different. It's now been, I think this was day six day five or six since this has all happened five six days of pure panic crisis chaos overwhelm emotions like <clears throat> terror to a single song coming on and that led to a smile and that led to some laughter and that led to hugs that weren't just out of terror, but love. And there's people there who have lost everything and they're showing up to volunteer. And this one woman is like, I have lost everything I own, right? Because these people, not only their homes and their materials, but their careers. So many of these people had shops in Lahaina, had inventory at home, had offices at home, all their equipment, everything gone overnight. You've worked years to create, gone with your house. She's like, I have nothing and I have never felt more full. She's like, the love, the support, the community, I have never felt like I've had more in this moment than I do now, and I don't own a thing. That was the energy of yesterday. It was like, okay, we can breathe. Everyone's okay who's still here. We can breathe. Now we get organized. We create strategy. We create committees. We have people helping with childcare, helping with entertaining the kids, helping with getting things for the adults to do, helping with healers going in for the adults, yoga, meditation, Reiki, trauma-informed massages everything like it's like okay now we're okay now we get organized and now how do we how do we create a long-term system here so all that kind of starts being put in action but just this like this the sky like opened and it was like hope came in and these these native hawaiians from big island had come over to to help and support and they were doing these prayers and these chants and it was like the the joy that was that was emulating from these chants was in the midst of the gloomiest, craziest times was the power of 
not just like a good vibes that that create this cliche thing that we often you know get upset about to bypass real emotions it wasn't that for the first time I felt the power of good vibes and the utter strength found in being able to being able to smile in a situation like this being able to open your heart so that other people can feel it being able to hug being able to make someone laugh being able to like the whole other side of strength the way energy travels and I don't know if it was because we hadn't felt that in several days or what but the way that the love and the light flooded into everyone I was with yesterday in the midst of all this was the most beautiful thing I've ever felt in my life it was like for the first time it was like okay we have no idea what the fuck is happening or what's coming or what this all means yet but for the first time in days like not only did we make it through but we protected those still standing we worked together as a community we are so fucking proud of that and what a gift to be part of a land that operates like that with nothing in the middle of the ocean with such not just devastation of the land but loss of the people so from here I trust everyone's going to get taken care of everyone's going to be okay this is the time where the energy is going to shift and the layers of the emotion are one by one going to come up the realization is going to land in the body and in the minds of what just actually happened and the processing is going to begin so I feel I feel like I'm not here by mistake and I look forward to being able to just just be with this in the coming weeks and months and just be a light wherever I can this morning going to church a man spoke who lost his house in a fire seven years ago in a panic incident and he spoke about how you know they got all the material things pretty quickly but what they needed most was people who just sat with them for hours just in case they needed anything just so that their hearts didn't feel alone so there's many many layers and ways of which you know this beautiful beautiful island and community are going to be coming together to stay organized and protect what needs to be protected help who needs to be helped and be there for every shade of gray of the emotions and the healing that are going to come through this um but we have secured the people who are alive and the um yeah very bittersweet you know personal 
lens of my story at this point is that Tom and I leave the island tomorrow for three weeks. Um, totally unconnected. This has been in the calendar for months. We are going to see his family. And it, it feels so bittersweet. Um, you know, we've gone so back and forth on do we need to cancel this whole thing? Like, the idea of leaving tomorrow feels so outrageous. Like, it feels so wild to be leaving. And up until yesterday, it was like, I don't think we, like, too much needs to be done. But as of yesterday, everyone today, there's like a collective deep breath. And organization has been made, like, shift schedules going out. Like, it's, there are so many people on deck ready to help. And everything is, like, we've done it. We've really done it in the midst of everything. And um, so what we're able to do by leaving now is give our car and our home away to a family in need right now. And that feels like that feels like the right thing. I also trust and surrender into why this is in our path right now to go. And I also know that in three weeks' time when we're back, this is still going to be here. So we are going to go process and do what we can from afar and get our feet back on the ground. And in three weeks, we'll be back and jumping back in. So why your donations matter at this point in the journey is because of the fact that we are looking at several months of this. People have lost their careers. Businesses have lost income. People who have business, who people who don't even, who, who haven't lost their homes, but have had lost their work due to the tourism industry, due to the, um, like, everything that takes place in Lahaina, having it be the hub, this affects the entire island. And mm, I hope that the government creates ways for the people to get what they need, but they have not yet. They have what they need because of the people here on foot who've done it. Um, we just don't know what's happening. And if you feel called to support in any way, if this story has touched you, if you've been a part of disaster in your life before, if you've ever been on Hawaii or it's ever affected you, if you've ever loved this place, if you've ever been on an island and so you can understand the terror of not just the disaster, but then being cut off so far from everything else, having nowhere for so many to go, people who've lost everything, um... $5, even $5 helps. $50 helps. $100 helps. Sharing the link helps. So I, you know, I, I really believe that there's life before the fire and life after the fire from here. This has changed my life completely and I haven't even processed it yet. I haven't even really sat with my own layers. There hasn't been room for it. There hasn't been space with it. And um, 
what we talked about in Sanctuary of She today that I want to end this with that I think is just a beautiful message because I don't, my intention is not, maybe you, maybe you teared up a little with me. Maybe you've been tearing up watching the news. Maybe you're feeling this. Maybe you've been watching my stories and living this with me through me and sending your love. But like, I don't want you to leave this feeling down with your shoulders hunched. I want you to leave this podcast episode and love harder than you've ever fucking loved before. Walk taller than you've ever walked before. Be present more than you've ever been present before. I want you to let all the little shit go. I want you to stop worrying about the small things. I want you to remember that the most important things are not found in the rat race. I want you to know that the most important things of your life you already have. It's your heart. It's your body. It's your relationships. It's the way you show up for yourself. The way you show up for those around you. (sighs) I don't know why I'm hearing a fire truck. It's the way that you be. That is it. That is your dharma. Everything is so temporary. Let this be proof that I hope this never comes close to you. But let this, like what if it did? Anything can change in the snap of a finger. And I know we always hear that. But literally, literally let this land for you. Stop wasting time. Do what you want to do. Love how you want to love. Give yourself permission to be who you want to be. Heal. Like, let go. Tune into your heart. Open it and listen to it. Trust your intuition. Take the move. Take the risk. Jump. Do whatever you're being called to do. But most of all, find everything you need in the simplest moment of right now because it's all here and these little things are the only things that matter they're the only 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 things that matter hug your loved ones close create and live unapologetically (sighs) take a look at your to-do list my to-do list this week was get my nails done get a wax pack for my trip go to a baby shower, you know, like that's what I was worried about. This has changed me forever. Those things matter. We all deserve those things. But make sure you're, you're, it's so much bigger than all that. These social media spaces, they're so focused on the the little things outside of us. Your heart is the most important thing you have. Do the work, read the books, join the communities. Do what you need to do to open that thing wide open so that you walk around this earth as a light. So that you spread that. So that you receive that. That is why we're here. That is purpose. That is your purpose. Be with your heart today. Lead with your heart today, today and every day. I love you. 
Thank you for listening. Thank you for sharing the link. Thank you for donating. Thank you for sending your love from afar. Like, the, it's, it's incredible. I'm in awe. I'm in awe of the world. How many people reaching out, donating, sending love, praying, crying, weeping. Like, it, it, it just, just being apart, like, from afar. It's, we are all, like, the way that I feel about Maui right now, this, connect, this, is, this is the earth. This is our story of the earth, Right? This is how we live. Bring this story with you into your community. Stand for this. We need more of this. And there shouldn't have to be a devastation where you live to feel this. Let's carry it into all the places, into all the cracks, into all the darkness. There's a Martin Luther King Jr. quote that I posted yesterday that has been so beautiful on my mind it's only in the darkness can you truly see the stars no matter how dark your world is or has been find the stars and if you have a world that is so light right now and filled with stars spread it spread it with your heart i love you i'll see you next week